Now, I've got a balloon with me, and let me just, anybody skittish around here? All right, a couple skittish people. So if I were to take this balloon, and I were to take this clothespin, and there's safety pin, and if I were going to tell you, on the count of three, I'm going to pop it, one, two, three, no, I'm just kidding, that's going to be really loud, isn't it? Imagine what, what just happened, even in the short, brief three seconds there. If I told you I'm going to pop it in three seconds, you begin to brace for impact, don't you? you kinda, I even saw a few of you kind of do one of these, and you kind of tense up. You get ready for it. When you know it's going to happen, you prepare the best that you possibly can for it. Preparing for it doesn't necessarily make it stop from happening, but you're at least going through the motions and the emotions of getting ready for what's about to happen, a popped balloon, you're bracing for a loud sound, you're bracing for if you get scared easily, am I gonna scream in public in a church? I mean, all those types of things start going through your head in a pretty short amount of time. Now, I'm not gonna tell you when I'm gonna pop it, but it's a different dynamic if I were to instead say, instead of counting to three, if I just say, I'm gonna put it right here, and there is a possibility at some point between now and 30 minutes from now that that will get popped at some point. That's a different dynamic, isn't it? <laughs> it's no longer a, I know it's gonna happen and I can prepare for it to happen. It's no longer a one, two, three, here it comes. All of a sudden now it's, wait, you mean there's a chance? You mean there's a possibility? Like, is it gonna be the first half of the message or the second half of the message? Like, is this how you're gonna end everything? Are you gonna do it during a prayer? Because that would just be wrong, Brian. <laughs> Like, I'm focused on Jesus, my eyes are closed, don't you dare do that. All of a sudden, probably a good fourth of you in the room, I'd say 25% in the room of you, I have ruined your Sunday morning so far, because you're not going to listen to a word I say, because all you're going to focus on is, when's he going to do it? Every time I get close to it, every time I pick up the safety pin, you're like, is it about to happen? There's something that happens in the, what I call the uns, there are three uns, it's the unknown, the uncertain, and the unknown. The unexpected, the uncertain, and the unknown. Those three uns, they do something inside of us. And we can't focus very well. We can't pay attention very well. We start to play scenarios out in our mind, don't we? Of like, well, how, that's a big balloon. Like, where, for, where did he get a balloon that size? But how loud is it going to be? I mean, this is a pretty large auditorium, and is it going to come through the microphone? All of a sudden, those three uns, the unexpected, the uncertain, and the unknown, start to wreak havoc on your life. And it steals things. It robs you of things. Steals some peace from you, peace of mind. Steals your comfort. It steals your bandwidth because you're thinking about other things. You, you were focused on what you came here to hear from Jesus, and now you're just focused on this stupid red balloon on stage. It steals things, doesn't it? Surprises can be a good thing, of course, but there's a lot of surprises in life that we want to have nothing to do with because those surprises end up stealing so much from us, even if it's something as silly as a, this might get popped at some point this morning. The surprise, even the potential for a surprise, steals things away. This series is the Jesus I know, or I get to share between now and Easter, just the Jesus I have come to know personally. Get to hear more of my heart and what Jesus has done in my life. So this morning I want to share the Jesus I know is not surprised. The Jesus I know doesn't get surprised. And if we can truly wrap our minds around that, because we do get surprised, we do get caught off guard, we do get 
our peace of mind and our sanity and our comfort stolen from us when there is even a potential from one of those three uns, the unexpected, the uncertain, and the unknown. But if Jesus is not surprised, what could that possibly do in your life? If you recognize that Jesus isn't surprised, what could that do in your family's life? And what does that give us as we walk through this life? If you have your Bibles, I want to look at a story where you see just that. The Jesus who is not surprised, but everybody else around him was suffering from those three. The unexpected, the uncertain, and the unknown. We're going to be in Mark chapter 4, so if you have your Bibles, head over there. We're going to look at the very last section of Mark chapter 4. Still relatively early on in Jesus' ministry, he's called his disciples. But you need to understand, the disciples that he's called, they have seen him do some pretty amazing things at this point. This wasn't like day one. We don't know exactly how many days in they are, but they have at least seen Jesus do some pretty miraculous and incredible things, but then something surprises them. And I want you to see how they respond, they react, but more importantly, how Jesus walks through it as well. Here's what we see, Mark chapter four, verse 35. The day, that day when evening came, he said, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. Verse 37, here's the surprise. A furious squall or a furious storm came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. If you're taking notes, I want you to circle or write down that word swamped, because that might describe or define your life right now. Swamped. It's that, well, I'm not dead yet, but I feel like I'm getting close. Some of you, you're welcome on that one. (laughs) It's, it's, it's the waves are breaking over the boat. Like there's water in the boat. I mean, we haven't drowned yet, but we seem like we're getting awfully close. It came out of nowhere and they would say, this isn't looking good. They're barely keeping afloat. And, and you might find yourself, you walk in here and you make it through the week and you carve out enough time for a Sunday morning. If you've got kids, it takes everything in you to at least get them here. You made it here, but kudos because you're even at the early service this morning. You finally get here, but you're just like, man, I'm just, I'm swamped, right? We've used the words, Becky and I, my wife and I, we've used those words. Like, man, this week is just like swamped as we just feel so swamped. It's just this weekend, there's just constantly everything. If that's you, that's exactly where the disciples felt like they were at. They were literally at. But I want you to pay attention to something here. Don't miss this part, and then we're going to move on with it. Look at what Jesus said. Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Talk back to me. Whose idea was it to get in the boat and cross the lake? Jesus' idea. Now, if you believe like I believe that Jesus is all-knowing, then he would know that there's a storm about to come. And wouldn't it be, we talked about Jesus being our Lord and our Savior last week. Well, if he's truly Lord and Savior, isn't he supposed to protect us from things like this? Like if Jesus really knows, why would he get his disciples? And not just his disciples, it says there's other people in other boats around him. Why would he say, yeah, let's cross the lake? Oh yeah, there's a big storm coming. He doesn't give them a heads up. He doesn't give them a warning. He doesn't tell them anything other than we've got to get to the other side. And he doesn't tell them what might happen. He just says, let's get in the boat and let's cross over. Sometimes we ask, Jesus, why did you let this happen to me? Jesus, why is this happening? Why am I swamped right now? Let me just give you, I don't have a great answer for you. But I know sometimes it's our own choices. 
I know sometimes it's the unfortunate choices of other people around us. Sometimes it's just called life, and we live in a sinful, fallen world, so bad things happen. Other times, and I'm not saying all the time, but I am saying other times, Jesus might lead you into one. It's exactly what he did here. He led his disciples and the people around him into a furious storm where they felt like they were going to die. So you're in good company if you feel swamped. Here you go. Look at what happens next. Here's Jesus' response. Verse 38. Jesus was in the stern. For all of you lake people, is that the front or the back? Man, not as many lake people. Uh, They're probably going to be at the 1230. (laughs) Yes, the back of the boat. So Jesus was in the back of the boat sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, ooh, don't forget that. We're going to come back to it. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves and he said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Why do you still have no faith? They were terrified and they asked each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? There's a tension that you see in the disciples' lives, in this boat, in this story, in this storm. And the tension is faith and fear. Now, you know what fear is for the most part, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time explaining fear. Let me help you understand faith because sometimes we give it a wrong connotation. Sometimes we misdescribe it or we give it a a close definition, but not quite. Let me help you understand. Faith is not a blind belief. It's not a blind belief. Oftentimes we say, well, you just have to have more faith. And what we mean by that, what we feel like we mean by that is, well, you just have to trust. Just close your eyes and take the leap of what? Faith, right. Now, that's not really a great definition of faith. That's more of a belief. Very important still. Faith and belief are a little bit different. That's more of a belief. Faith, a better translation, literally of faith, would be persuaded or confident. That if you have faith, that means you are persuaded. If you have faith in Jesus, then you have been persuaded to follow him. If you have confidence in Jesus, then you have enough experience and you believe it. See, believe is a big part of that still. But you believe it, but you are now confident. If you have faith in a friend, well, then you are confident that their yes is yes and no is no. If you have faith in your spouse, it means you are completely persuaded and loving them and believe that they love you as well. So understand, belief plays a big role in it, but faith is better described as confident or even persuaded. Our faith in God is him persuading us to trust him. So here's what fear does then. Fear is what steals that away. Fear removes that confidence. Fear steals that what you were once persuaded to be true and persuaded to follow, all of a sudden, because of the fear, it's now taken your confidence and the persuasion that you had is now gone. That's what we see here. This tension between the disciples' faith, they've seen Jesus do some amazing things already, and they have been persuaded that he is Messiah, son of God. They were confident in his abilities because of what they had seen, and what they had heard, and what they'd experienced, but now they're in a storm where it's very unpredictable. Now they're in a place where they're not so sure Their confidence is wavering. So when we say they're struggling between faith and fear, what we're saying is they're in a very fearful situation, in a very uncertain, unknown, unexpected situation. And it's caused their confidence to be stripped away. So let's look at those three. Remember what they were, the uns, the three uns? 
They are the unexpected, the uncertain. And what was the last one? The unknown. So let's focus on the first one. How do we see the unexpected pop up here? Was well, very easy in the first part. It says the day, it was the day when evening came. Jesus said, let's go to the other side of the lake. It said they left the crowds. I mean, imagine the life of following Jesus as he's preaching and teaching and healing and doing all these amazing things. And guess what? You're part of that. You're moving with Jesus. You're walking from town to town with Jesus. You're helping people. You're dealing with the crowds. If you're an introvert, this is exhausting just talking about it. And in that moment, Jesus says, let's go find some rest. Let's go to the other side of the lake. Let's leave the crowds. We're gonna get in this boat and we're gonna just leave. And the disciples had to have been thinking, finally, it's been a long day. We're exhausted. I'm tired of smiling and shaking hands and kissing babies. I'm ready to just go to the other side of the lake with Jesus for a little bit. And they get in the boat and it's evening, it's turning to dark and they're finally able to, maybe you've said this recently, catch their breath. They finally were able to catch their breath. But then something surprises them, doesn't it? A pretty big surprise. A surprise they didn't see coming. And understand, most of his disciples were fishermen. So they knew what to look for. They were paying attention to the weather and the sea. And, and they recognized when there was trouble. But nothing tipped them off. And a big surprise showed up. Now, we have a lot of surprises in our life as well, don't we? We, we experience surprises when, when something happens at work that you didn't see coming. You get laid off, and man, I don't know where that came from. Your kids have things to tell you, and man, where, that came out of left field. Now, Becky and I, we had not moved here quite yet, but w there were stories of some surprises that happened just prior to us moving here, of just surprise things in Atlanta. Here's one from 2014. Some of you might remember this surprise. <laughs> you remember that one? Oh, yeah. And it's funny because ever since then, we're not gonna get caught off guard again are we? We're not going to deal with that again. It was a surprise. Some of you are like, it wasn't a surprise at all. Well, you take that up with whoever you'd like to. It was unexpected. The outcome at least was very unexpected. They were expecting to rest. They were expecting to have a moment and an evening of calm. And what they got was a storm, unlike any other storm, where they were, what was that word again? The waves were crashing over. They were swamped, completely swamped. I want, you to, I, want to, I want to read something to you, and I just want you to listen, and if you're willing to, maybe even close your eyes, because I don't want the screens to give too much away. Here's something Jesus says. Here's what he says in John 16, 33. Jesus' words, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And I want you to just think of that for a second, and this might actually help. Close your eyes and just think of what it means to have peace for a moment. Some of you are like, that's a dream. You're allowed to daydream in church. This is a good thing. Peace. Peace in your home, peace with your family, peace with your kids, peace with your spouse, peace in your workplace, peace in your community. Just what does peace feel like for you right now? Hold on to peace. Here's what he says next. In this world, you will have trouble. Now start thinking of all the trouble you have in life. <laughs> Can you imagine the whiplash? The whiplash from I've told you these things, and Jesus says, so that you can have peace. And everyone's like, oh, that sounds wonderful. Jesus will follow you to the ends of the earth. But in this world, you will have trouble. Wait, what just happened? How does he say, I've given you peace, and you will have trouble? How is that in the same breath? Like, aren't those supposed to be opposites? How do we have peace if you're promising trouble? Jesus, you're promising peace, but you're also promising trouble. The last part of this tells us why we still have peace regardless of trouble. Jesus' words. But take, and what's it say? Read it behind me. But take heart. 
You know what that speaks to? Hang on to that trust. Hang on to that confidence. But take heart. I, Jesus said, I have overcome the world. In my opinion, one of the most powerful statements Jesus makes, those three statements there, I've come to give you peace. You will have trouble, but take heart because I've already, I've already won. I've already overcome the world. I've overcome everything. He is victorious. See, we have this misconception that in order to have peace in your life, you have to have no surprises, no unexpected problems, no issues. But understand, peace, I'm gonna give you a different definition for peace here. Peace is not the absence of trouble. If that was the case, we would never have peace and Jesus' promise would be wrong. Peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is in the presence of God. And guess what? You can have both. You can have trouble, but also be in the presence of God. The disciples were experiencing trouble, yet they were in the very presence of Jesus. So change how you think. Change your perspective. When the unexpected happens, change your expectation. Jesus told us not to be surprised when we have trouble. He said, in fact, you will have trouble. He says, but I've come to give you peace. And how can both of those live simultaneously in our hearts and in our lives? Because he's already overcome. He is victorious. So peace is not the absence of trouble. Rather than peace is experienced with trouble. But more importantly, peace happens in the very presence of God. So that's unexpected. What's the next? Un unexpected, uncertain, uncertain. Here's the uncertainty. It says, Jesus was sleeping in the back, sleeping or in the stern, in the back of the boat, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? And there's our key word. We know they're dealing with uncertainty because of that I word, because of that word if. If. In other words, we don't know if we're going to live or die. This is most certainly in their case, it was maybe we'll live, maybe we won't. I mean, it was truly life or death for them. That sense of uncertainty, they're already in the middle of the storm. They're not surprised anymore. The unexpected happened. Now they're living in the aftermath of the unexpected. And that's where uncertainty begins to breed. Remember what these things do? They steal our confidence. They steal our trust. They steal our peace. So now to say we're uncertain because we don't know what's going to happen if gives that away. Think through what you've said maybe recently in these unexpected events and how many if statements have you said? Well, what if we can't pay the bills? Well, what if the doctor says? Well, what if this doesn't? What if this does? What if they? What if I can't? All of a sudden, those what if statements, those lean into the uncertainty because we don't know what's gonna happen next. Imagine you're on this boat and you're swamped. You're thinking, I don't know if I'm gonna live or die. Now, obviously, in this case here, what we're reading, truly life or death situation. In our lives, it's not always life or death, but the uncertainty feels like it. Now, there's a statement that the disciples say, well, more of a question, but I don't think they really mean it as a question, kind of that rhetorical question. I wanna read it because oftentimes it gets misinterpreted. The disciples woke Jesus up and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, this is important. What do they call him? What, do they, what, what name do they associate to Jesus? What was it? Teacher. teacher. I told you once. I'm going to tell you twice. Remember that. We're going to come back to it here in a minute. They say, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, some people would read that and say, well, they're pleading for Jesus to save them. 
They're waking Jesus up and say, Jesus, don't you care about me enough to save me? Jesus, don't you care that we're in a storm? Jesus, can't you do something? Jesus, won't you do something? But here's what I think. And I think it's because of that word teacher, and we're gonna talk about it, like I said, in a moment. I don't think they're waking him up to say, teacher, do something. I think they're just amazed that this man was asleep. I think they couldn't fathom. And they feel like at this point, they are about to go down. I think they, in this moment, feel like they are gonna have to abandon ship. There's no way that their ship can take on any more water. So they wake Jesus up and they say, don't you care if we live or die? Like, we're fighting for our lives. Don't you wanna participate in trying to save lives? Don't you at least wanna get ready, get your little life jacket on, and we might have to jump out of the boat? I think they woke Jesus up to say, we're about ready to have to make a choice. You need to be awake to make it for yourself. Because nowhere in here, check this, nowhere in here are the disciples expecting Jesus to save them. What'd they call him? Teacher. They didn't say Lord. They didn't say Savior. They didn't say Son of God. They said, teacher, don't you care if we live or die? See, they felt the uncertainty and they couldn't imagine anybody else not feeling the same uncertainty. So they woke him up expecting for all of them to have to fight for their lives pretty soon. See, Jesus has been there and done that, and them calling him teacher alludes to they don't quite fully understand who Jesus is yet. Let me read this out of Hebrews for you. This will give you a little bit more confidence. Again, that's what we want to see here, is we grow in our confidence of knowing him because our fear and the surprises of life strip our confidence away. Here's what Hebrews 4.15 says. For we do not have a high priest, that's talking about Jesus, that's a very Jewish term of, of calling him, another label for him, but we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every single way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Do you understand the magnitude of that statement? That we have Jesus who doesn't just look from afar and say, hmm, I hope they figure that out. No, it says he is able to empathize with us. He has been in our spot. He has been tempted in every single way you and I have been. In other words, he's been there, done that. And look at the next part of this. So therefore, here's the, what do we do with that? Big deal. So Jesus has walked in my shoes. Verse 16, it's a very big deal. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with, and say it like you mean it, grace with what? confidence. Say it one more time. His grace with confidence. We approach his throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You might just need that today to recognize that Jesus has been there, that Jesus has walked exactly through whatever it is that you're walking through. So often our confidence is taken away by the lie that he doesn't know what you're going through. You're all on your own. Can you imagine how lonely the disciples felt in that boat being swamped? Just in your life, when you feel swamped, you feel very alone, don't you? Those moments of feeling swamped are not a, all right, let's do this together. It's more of a, I'm gonna die. I'm not gonna make it through this week. <laughs> being swamped is a very lonely place. You throw uncertainty in that and you're very isolated. And scripture tells us through Hebrews, Jesus has been there. And guess what? He's come out on the other side. He has conquered it. He is victorious in every single way. And that gives us, what's that word we're saying over and over again? That gives us confidence, that we can approach him with confidence. The disciples did not approach Jesus in this moment with confidence. They approached him out of fear, saying, we're gonna have to make some decisions on our life here in a moment. So dude, you better wake up. Teacher, you better wake up. So what does that teach us? 
How does that develop our confidence? Here's how I would say it. Don't mistake the presence of a storm for the absence of God. Don't make that mistake. Oftentimes we look at the unexpected and we view the uncertain as, well, God must not be part of this at all. When the unexpected happens, when the uncertain happens, when you're living in the midst of uncertainty, it feels like God has taken a step back. It feels like God is asleep. It feels like no one's paying attention. It feels like the only one that could do something is choosing not to do something. Be careful making that claim. It feels right, but it's not right. And I'm not telling you you can't feel that way, but I want you to understand the truth. The confidence, I want to persuade you. I want you to grow in that confidence that even in the midst of a storm, when the storm is very present, that doesn't mean Jesus is absent. Jesus was asleep, no doubt. Eyes were closed, fast asleep, amazing. Only the Son of God could sleep through a storm. <laughs> but he was still there. And a poet once said that even though his eyes were asleep, his heart was still open. Whatever storm you're going through is present as it is. And yes, it may feel like Jesus is sleeping on the job. But he is still there. So we have unexpected. We have uncertain. What's the last one you remember? Un unknown. So they woke Jesus up. They said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Speaking to the uncertainty. Verse 39. Jesus got up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, two questions. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, and here's the big part, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Two questions Jesus asked them after he calms the situation. Why are you so afraid? Remember, that's what happens with surprises. The unexpected, the uncertain, and the unknown, they leave us very afraid because it strips us of our confidence. What we were once persuaded and positive in, all of a sudden we're now saying, I'm not so sure. The disciples were all in following Jesus, left everything else behind to follow this man that they believed to be Jesus. But now in the middle of the storm, they're like, I'm not so sure. It took their confidence away. What did they call him? When they woke him up, they called him, what was it again? teacher. And here's why I keep emphasizing teacher and confidence. Teacher. Now, I mean no disrespect to any of our educators in the room. I come from a long line of educators. My mom is a teacher. My dad has been an adjunct. My sister is a teacher. I'm a huge fan of teachers and educators in the school system. However, if I am on a boat in the middle of the sea and there is a massive storm, I do not want a teacher with me. <laughs> Can we agree on that? Teachers, you are amazing people. And you do so much for so many. But I'm not going to put my confidence in you when a boat is sinking. Right? I will send my kids to your classroom and I will ask for grammar help. That's about it. If the ship is going down, I don't want a teacher. So it's no wonder the disciples were scared out of their minds. They think they have a teacher on the boat with them. That's it. We're swamped. We're going down. And we have a teacher. How about a captain? I mean, and understand, there's a bunch of fishermen on this boat. I mean, can we have somebody that knows a little bit more than we do, but not a teacher? We don't need a sermon or a lecture right now. Because they asked a question after he calmed everything, and he asked them those two questions. Why are you so afraid, and where is your faith, or why do you still have so little faith? In other words, where is your confidence in me? Do you remember their rhetorical question to each other? 
is this? What do you, who is he? That's what he says. That's what they tell us. They were terrified. Don't you love it that the disciples were afraid in the storm and they're afraid in the calm? It's like, there's just no pleasing these guys. <laughs> Jesus said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? They had no idea that this was Jesus Christ. No clue. They still viewed him as this cool teacher that was starting to just make some ripples in the world. He was not king, lord, and savior in their hearts yet. Who is this? Who is Jesus to you? Is he just teacher? Is he who your parents raised you to know of or believe in? Is he a good man? Is he a good idea? Is he a figment of your imagination? Is he just a religious leader? Is he somebody that takes away all your fun? Who is Jesus to you? You have to answer that question. And how you answer that question will determine how you deal with these. How you answer that question will determine how you deal with surprises. How you answer that question will determine how you deal with the unexpected the uncertain, and the unknown. For the disciples, the storm was unexpected. Their living was uncertain. But they were terrified because they didn't know who Jesus was. I find it interesting that the winds and the waves knew more about Jesus than the disciples did. Jesus said, quiet, be still. And those winds, those waves said, oh, that's Jesus speaking. The disciples still didn't get it. Who is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Let me encourage you. The more you know about Jesus, the more confident you will become in him. The more you know Jesus as Lord and Savior, the more confident you will become in him. If you continue to follow the story and the journey of the disciples, they grew in their confidence. They did not gain it overnight. And I have no doubt that, that in here, you wouldn't be here if you didn't, but you've at least heard the name Jesus, even if only the first time this morning. But from me, you've at least heard Jesus today. Who is Jesus to you? And if you feel like your confidence gets stripped away every time there's a threat of your balloons being popped in life, would you be willing to grow in your confidence of him? How do you do that? You grow in your knowledge of him. How do you do that? I'm so glad you asked. That's why we do stuff like this. This little bookmark I talked about last week, we wanted to get you primed and ready, so it starts tomorrow. I want you to read through the entire Gospel of Luke with me and our church. Discover or rediscover who Jesus is. Grow in your confidence of him. And you'll notice the unknown, the uncertain, and the unexpected don't go away, but your confidence remains. So this Bible reading plan simply does that. It's to grow your confidence in Jesus. Not just as teacher. He's most certainly all of those things I said. But he is most importantly king. He is most importantly savior. If you come to know him more, your confidence will grow in him more and more and more. Let me read a few things for you. I hope this is an encouragement. Because we all have balloons in our life that are threatened to be popped at any moment. 
And that's a very stressful life, isn't it? Man, it, I don't know how this is going to work out, and I don't know how long this is going to last. I mean, it's just there's, there's this constant balloon hanging over your head of what if and when and what about. Let me read out of Psalms. And let me just read through these, and I pray this is almost borderline therapeutic for you and your uns this week. The unexpected, the uncertain, and the unknown. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. He is my loving God and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield in whom I take refuge. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Who is Jesus to you? The Jesus I know isn't surprised. The Jesus I know doesn't calm my every storm. But he is there through every single one of them with me. The Jesus I know is my Lord. And he is my Savior. The unexpected, the uncertain, and the unknown are still there. But my confidence is stronger. My confidence is greater than my fears because of who Jesus is in my life. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for who you are. Jesus, may we never forget or neglect who you are in our lives that you are Savior and you are Lord over all things. That you can speak a word to the wind and the waves and they listen. Oh, how good it would be of our soul to listen to your words as well. May we rest in your peace, not because the trouble has been taken away, not because the storms have been calmed, but may we have peace because you are right there with us. And our confidence is not in ourselves. Our confidence is not in our situations. Our confidence is not in how well we can manage. Our confidence is not in how much money we have. Our confidence is not in the other people in our lives. Jesus, we claim it today that our confidence is only in you. And where we lack confidence, may you grow it where we miss confidence, may you place it. Because in every storm, you are there. Jesus, thank you for the promise of peace, even in the midst of the promise of trouble. May our faith and confidence in you increase all the more. Thank you for being the Jesus that saves us and walks with us, that empathizes with us, but is victorious in our life every single time. In Jesus' name, amen.